We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Fox 40's Sean Cunningham. I don't have my mic, so it's different. What's going on? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not well, James. I'm just not well. I had a pretty <laughs> fabulous birthday yesterday, and things were things were really good in in life. And then my baseball team decided to take a big heaping dump all over the birthday cake. <laughs> Carlos Correa is now a Met. What a difference a week makes, and I'm ready to jump off the Golden Gate, man, for my baseball fandom. What's going on with you, man? Oh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I, yeah, I saw it last night, and I, you know, of course, I knew it was your birthday, and you share a birthday with Deer and Fox, who just turned 25. No, no, Deer and Fox shares a birthday with me. Let's get that right. That's, it was my birthday true. first. Yeah, that's okay. true. That's true. So, uh, yeah, I. It, what a downer night for the uh, the San Francisco Giants. Uh, before we get too far into this, we should probably introduce mm. Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? I am doing good, guys. Um, I Is there any explanation on why this happened? It's something to do with physical. Brendan, but... <sighs> I think it depends on who you ask. Let's just, there's a lot we don't know, but this much we know. The Giants gave Carlos Correa a contract that the Mets immediately gave him also so whether it was cold feet or something in the physical that predates him as a baseball player whatever it is they are the laughing stock of baseball and they show they can't close farhan zaidi is a gm who can't get anyone this 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 ownership group is forever frugal and cheap and this whole we're gonna spend money we're gonna Clearly, they don't have all their ducks in a line, and they're not together as a as an organization. It is a absolute abortion in the Bay Area. 
It's not good. It's not good. You know what? Like I was, uh, I was walking in today, and um, I ran into Jesse, our, our producer here at ESPN thirteen twenty. I'm in studio. I'll be on the radio at three o'clock. Uh, we had to fit these things in when we fit them in. Um, but he was like, "Hey, are you uh, you checking out this giant stuff?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, like I, I saw it late last night uh, when it started to unfold." And you know what? It reminds me of uh, the Sharif Abdul Rahim situation. Abdur. Abdur. Yes. <laughs> so Sharif signed a uh, like an MLE, a mid-level exception uh, deal with the. It wasn't even the Brooklyn Nets. It was the New Jersey Nets, right, at that time. And uh, then he went in for his physical, and they voided his contract, and he became a free agent out of nowhere, and the Kings signed him, I think, to a five-year, $25 million deal, uh, something around that mark. And they they saw something in his knee they didn't like. And, you know, like when you're signing a, a 13-year contract with a guy for $350 million, and I know a lot of people were like, hey, we'll just throw away the back end of that money. You know, that's still a ton of money. And one of the things I would like to know is if the Giants medical staff wouldn't sign off, is he insurable? You know, and, and that could be one of the issues. Like, is he insurable as, as a player? Can you get your money back? Where, you know, the Kings face this situation that, Sharif uh, just couldn't go. Like, at a certain point in his career, like, the knee did become too much of an issue, and he, I think they uh, they got him to medically retire for the final two years of his deal, and they got basically his money wiped off the books and an insurance policy to cover it. Uh, and I think they, they got uh, injury exceptions for, for, his, uh, for his final two years. But it's something that you are like cognizant of it's just really weird that the giants hadn't done their homework beforehand and didn't know that this was a possibility and threw you know like over a half a billion dollars at a guy and next thing you know they they are the laughing stock of the league yeah and i like that that there is a king's kind of like you can find a a a side story or something that's kind of tangential but i will say like in in we love doing the business of sports business of basketball it's a segment we do but like you think about this, whether you were for Korea or against Korea, thinking the money was too much money, the commitment was too long, put that all aside. It's the hapless mismanagement of how this whole thing has played out. Knowing a little bit of, if you know any of the history of like the team and I mean, Hey, it was just two years ago, they won 107 games by some fluke magic luck. And then they were going to, you know, try to sell their team a bill of goods. I mean, you notice the last the double down of a really young and inexperienced team that that they didn't add anything to the 107. So there's a lot of fans that were very, very upset. You saw empty seats. You saw, um, and then you've seen this organization strike out, whether it be Giancarlo Stanton, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge. Um, and you think you now Carlos Correa, and it's if it was your own doing, and maybe you have a basketball or a baseball ops in this in this place. Uh, an ownership that could be on different pages. Like it's just an absolute nightmare situation for an organization and a fan base that uh, at one point was really uh, not that long ago, probably the premier in all of baseball. And right now it's kind of embarrassing and it's, it's teetered on embarrassing for a, for a little while. And it's uh, gone full fledged embarrassing over the past 24, not even 24 hours. So um it, it it it's not so much. I mean, for people who are listening, and you may not be baseball fans, just 
man, it just shows you how things can get really wonky in this business and how some organizations do it right and do their due diligence and, 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 and do all these things, but you have to be all on the same page. And there's a lot we don't know about uh, what's happening with this Carlos Correa situation, but if you're the Giants, you better be transparent and you better get out in front of this. And, and putting a statement out today saying that we can't talk about what we found on the physical and we'll just leave it at that and wish them the best, that ain't it. Yeah, but I mean, it is a HIPAA issue. Like, you can't go. No, no, no. And here's the thing, James. Like, yeah, yeah. But that, again, then why did you get that far? How did you get that far? How is this a problem? You know, that's what you have. There's there's many, many, many more questions that come up. It should not come down to the pending physical. So, yeah, I I get it. I get it. I I mean, we even had the situation here in Sacramento, like, long before Brennan was born, uh, where (laughs) the king signed Chuck Hayes to yep. a contract, then the physical came after the contract and they found a heart murmur and the Kings had to rescind the contract. And then a couple of days later, they were able to figure out some workaround with his heart issue. And uh, lo and behold, Chuck Hayes was not only signed, but he, I think the Kings gave him an extra like 1.5 million. Another million struggles. bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just threw a little extra on top to say, sorry about that big guy. Uh, you know, our medical staff found something and then didn't. And then, you know, either way, I, I think it's uh, it's kind of a, a lesson that uh, pro sports franchise have to deal with. Brennan, I'll throw it to you in this way. Um, the Kings are a team that, like, he just, Sean just rattled off all of these superstars that, that the Giants chased and didn't get. Um, but the Kings are a team that also likes to have their name mentioned every single time there's a player that's available. Like, what do you make of that? Because, you know, this is, we'll just call this the business of basketball segment because I, I think it's uh, it's an interesting segment that we're going through anyways where we're talking about something that's not specifically Kings, but now we can relate it to Kings-related stuff. But, Brendan, what are your thoughts? Because it doesn't – I mean, it doesn't always feel good if you're, you know, a Harrison Barnes or a Rashawn Holmes or name that King – that was uh, a buddy heel that was mentioned in like seven different trades before you actually either got traded or didn't get traded. And you're just kind of left there hanging. I think from the player's perspective, it's kind of just the nature of the business. And I think if there's still healthy communication between a front office, a coaching staff and, and all the, the rostered players that can work through that just fine. And each person's going to handle that differently. But to me, like the Kings being linked to so many people, their name being thrown out a lot um, throughout the past couple of years just feels similar to, or I think to how Monty comes from the Daryl Morey tree. And I feel like this is a very similar thing that we always have seen in the past with Morey and continue to see like Houston's game plan while he was there was we're going to try and trade for stars and maybe they don't fit great, but we're just going to get these talented players and then put them together and, and try to, build through trades and i think that you're seeing a little bit of the same thing in philadelphia um ironically harden obviously being in both places but to me it it goes back to or the first thing i think of is just that connection to to the daryl morey tree and it, it feels like a similar parallel there with mcnair can i can i can i yeah. say something else real quick think about this let's pretend this is the nba for a moment now while it's true that the the giants never formally announced that that they had a done deal with Carlos Correa. I want you to, I want to paint a picture real quick. And this is why I think, you know, people should be so pissed. 
yeah, you have the reports that come out. You're an organization. You can't really, you can say that you didn't announce it. That's fine. But then you announce a press conference that you're not putting a name to or a reason why you're having said press conference. I was planned, I was uh, supposed to attend said press conference, but you don't have a reason for it, right? That was weird you, in itself. Yeah, very strange. Uh, understandable. If you're a fan, you're like, okay, well, uh, there's a press conference. You don't know why. All right, great. KNBR 680 in San Francisco is owned by uh, the the San Francisco Giants. They have ownership in that station. And likewise with the Giants, it's a not just a flagship station partnership. It's actual, there's, a, there's an ownership stake there. They had announced that Carlos Correa was going to be on that radio program at 8.30 in the morning before the press conference the flagship station who has an ownership stake all that stuff like if you're a fan and you were waiting for any indication from your team that carlos correa was going to be a giant that was your indication and that was probably your green light to be like oh i'm gonna go buy season tickets now after this horrible horrible season well now you feel hoodwinked Hopefully you can get a refund on those uh, season tickets because they're not nearly as attractive uh, as they were about 15 hours ago. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, too, because baseball, it's so difficult to build around one or two stars, right? Like if you have a really, really good pitching staff and you can you can go up the middle with like just really good defensive players at shortstop and second base and center field, and you can win a bunch of games just by doing that. If you have a great pitching staff, you got a solid bullpen, uh, you can win a bunch of games just you know playing small ball basically. But uh, like I, I have no idea like for a team like the Giants where you go from there. I, I mean it's absolutely brutal. But you know again, I felt that way with the Kings so many times as well. Like how do you get out of this perpetual cycle? And you know it it reminds me I you know at this point like the giants are forced into almost a complete rebuild um but i've heard people say oh the kings have never done a full rebuild they've never done a full rebuild and i don't understand that like did people just forget like 2000 what 16 when they traded to marcus cousins they traded omri caspi they waved matt barnes uh rudy gay blew his achilles and they they went into the next season with for uh well with i think it was so even that season the 2016 season they had drafted scal and malachi and yorgos papianis uh then the next season you know and, and then they traded for buddy healed and then you get to the next season and they draft uh De'Aaron fox they draft um harry giles and justin jackson and frank mason they they get bogdan bogdanovich to come over like, if that's not a rebuild, I don't know what is. If you're going to go into the next season, the 2017 season, with basically 10 players, if you count, you know, the Willie Cauley-Steins of the world and the other guys that they had from the previous roster, like, all of these first, second, third-year players, that's a complete rebuild. I don't know why people keep thinking. I mean, that's how you got Marvin Bagley, because you rebuilt it and you, you got the second pick in the draft. So I'm, I'm still confused why people believe that there was never a rebuild here in Sacramento. The fact that a bunch of those players didn't work out and weren't NBA players and are no longer in the league, that's another issue. That's an issue of, of who your GM was and your scouting department and, and all the other things that go into building a team. But King specific, you know, 
like Monty McNair took over like a complete reset, but I don't know if it was so much like he didn't have to tear it all the way down to nothing because he did have at least a couple of pieces to work with and a couple of trade pieces to work with as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% on the rebuilding um, from previous years. I I think maybe it doesn't look like what typically people have in mind of tearing everything down um, in years prior. And I I think there were examples of years where they could have chosen to do that, but then maybe instead went a little more towards um, trying to make something happen in the immediate. Like the, I think of like Dwayne Dedman, Trevor Ariza, Corey Joseph signings, like, I think there was a debate at that time of like, should you be trying to win right now or, or should you um, still be trying to maybe acquire a, a better draft pick and try to build up that way? But the point that they've reached now is obviously a, a place that I would think that they're content with and, and you keep trying to build from here. Um, they're certainly not at their ending point or anything, but I think that we have seen Monty McNair build a pretty successful team at this point, centered around, obviously, um, Fox and Sabonis, who have been playing phenomenally, but getting all these other complementary pieces is what's going to be important to to continue growing from here. Yeah, Sean, uh, like, where are you at? Because this, this team does, well, I, I guess I'll even ask this question, and, and then I'll let both of you guys answer it. Like, we kind of, we get who they are at this point, and you know that they're still missing a piece or two. Like, is this a moment for the Kings to go all in? Is this a moment for them to, like, to make more substantial? Or even, like, if to bring it back to the baseball analogy, like, we see that they're going to enter the stretch run here, and they're they're right in it. Should you go get the extra pieces to push them over the top, like we see in baseball all the time, which sometimes work in, works in basketball but sometimes doesn't or are you like okay there's still one major major piece away so why don't you take that swing regardless of what it does to your chemistry today and and try to reset this try to put yourself on a path to win a bunch of games in two or three years as opposed to where you're at right now yeah it's interesting because for sure i mean i think they they signified the all-in moment when they made the trade for Demona sabonis so uh as was the case last year, you have to kind of double down off of that and, and continue that, that belief uh, that when you make that franchise altering shift, like you've got essentially two years to, you know, make this thing right, not only to keep Demonis Savonis, but uh, to, to see if it can work with, with him and De'Aaron Fox and, um, Mike Brown and all the just all these components. So yeah, you need to be all in 100%. And I just don't know if there's a move that can be made because I still feel like they're a significant piece away uh, from really being an elite team. But right now, you I think they're proving to the league that they are a relevant, contending, uh, promising team. Um, I said last week, I, you know, I think it's pretty. I think what's become clear to me is that I wouldn't want to face this team in a series. I mean, one-offs are what they are, but I think this team has the type of depth, the type of – they play a type of style, and they've improved enough on defense to where this would be a tough out for just about – I don't say every team, but for a vast majority of the teams that would be contending in the Western Conference, I think in a series this would be a tough out. So um, I like the competitive spirit from this team. I like the talent on this team. 
um, they, they, they obviously have some, some glaring needs. Uh, I don't know how, uh, you know, I think, I think we still have some question marks in terms of durability and, um, uh, fortitude. Uh, I think the physicality issue is still kind of a, a thing we might've thought that, Hey, this team plays with a little bit of an edge and lately we've kind of seen that wane a little bit. So, uh, there might be a little bit more of a question mark there, but, uh, for sure. I think if there's a move out there to be made, they're going to, they're not going to hesitate, but I just, I wonder what that is. I don't think that they can add the type of piece that ultimately they need, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like they really need another, uh, strong presence on this team. And, and what I mean by that is likely upgrading a certain piece that, that they, they had, that they're fine with now, but, but almost bringing in another quasi star player to pair with Fox and Sabonis, uh, particularly probably at the three that would really um, push this team to bigger heights. And I just don't know that they're going to be capable of doing that. I think yeah, if we're talking about uh, eventual contention that they do need another star, right? Like neither one of Fox or Sabonis are somebody that is just the top of the top cream of the crop when it comes to stars, that's going to just carry you and get complimentary pieces from there to fit it. Like I think the way that, they take that next big leap is getting another player of that caliber. It becomes a little bit of a three headed beast from there. And, and then you kind of reevaluate your surrounding pieces after the fact. Yeah. Cause I, I think the biggest question for me is like, if, if I'm looking at this team right now, it's such a delicate balance, right? You don't want to trash the chemistry. You don't want to destroy sort of what they're building or the excitement that they have within the locker room. Um, but you're also faced with this, this, dilemma like could you go out and and i don't know that they're available but it's something that i brought up on previous pods like could you go out and trade with a team like charlotte and and bring back uh, a mason plumley and a pj washington and it would probably cost you you know some some items in your in your war chest but again we're talking about a restricted free agent this summer and an unrestricted free agent the final year of his deal but they're two pieces that probably would complement this roster perfectly and at least solidify what you're doing right now and put you in a stronger position to hold on to a, a five or a six in the Western Conference. Um, but you would also know that, you know, the Plumlee deal would be like short term and you're probably you may or may not be able to bring him back next season. And then and he's also 32 years old going on 33. But then also whether PJ is part of a future plan that you're going to, you know, sort of build around. And I, I would like caution people to think that he's not as good as a guy like Harrison Barnes. He's not that level of competitor. Uh, he's just, you know, he's a solid rotational player. But do you do something like that where you might be able to get that done with peripheral pieces that aren't playing right now? Uh, and, you know, some second round picks, maybe if you really had to stretch like a future first but like a way off, like protected 2028, 29 pick uh, that dissolves after that. So I, I think it's an interesting dilemma, though, right? If you're Monty, because if you're going to be all in right now, you don't want Mike Brown, which is going to be the next topic of discussion, like trying to figure out which one of Chemezi Metu, Namias Keita, or Rashawn Holmes is going to be your backup center for 13 minutes a night. Like you should actually be in a point where the that that question isn't still floating out there. Well, I think if we let's just go back to the Charlotte thing, for example. Um, while I'm not, you know, 
shouting from a mountaintop for that to to not happen or for that to happen. I just, to me, that move doesn't make them like you're still not a contender with that type of move. Like that's not going to like put you over the top per se. You just kind of maybe round out some of the loose ends a little bit better if for for this season, and maybe you're a little bit more um, primed to uh, compete a little bit. Like, like if James, how many wins does that give you? How many more than what you have now? Like if that gets you three more wins, like how deep does that get you? Yeah. I mean, I think that that would solidify you as a a five, five, six in the current league. Cause I think it would add depth to a roster that already has depth, but it would be actual depth. that's going to play like those two guys are going to be two of your top eight players. And Plumley actually block shots. He actually. Oh yeah, no. I mean, look. Jay Triona's offense, like. Yeah, yeah. We get all that. Ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, my my point is, I just it it's 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 not the type of move to me that's gonna put you into an elite setting in the West for at all. I think it's something that could could certainly help. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm not I'm not given away too much for it. Um, and I think you could do better quite honestly. I think there's, there's probably moves to be made that you could do. That's better. I just, I think it classifies as the move I mentioned a minute ago. I don't think there's the move that they, there's the the move that they need to make. There's the, the acquisitions they need to get. And I just don't think that they have, uh, the capability to get them. Uh, if that makes sense. Like I, I think there's, you know, we've, we've kicked around people before, uh, for the, over the past year. Um, and, and if you're, listening to this podcast and and you know how we feel about some of the talented threes in this league, be it Pascal Siakam or Bradley Beal or, you know, even OG Ananubi who's come up before. I just don't think any guys like that are, are really all that possible. And then if you loop, you know, PJ Washington in that, he's not in that class. And I don't want people to get like, you know. I agree. Yeah, I don't want them to get all he's excited for the forward. untapped. He's a, Correct. Yeah, he's a, right. he's a third forward. And – Mason Plumley and on a good team is a backup center, and, and the but, and the thing about Plumley that, that fits yeah. correct because he he can it, they play a style with Demonis Sabonis on the on the floor, and when he comes off the floor with Plumley, you can play a very similar style to that because yes. he can move the ball. Um, and as you saw here just the other day, I mean he's a he's a tremendous fit for just about any style system. So um, uh, yeah, I just I don't know that it makes him like incrementally better. I mean, I think it does help, but it's definitely not like bringing you into the next tier of teams. Right. I think it just like makes you better within that same tier that we're already talking about of like a five, six seed at best. Right. And because I I do think these, these complimentary pieces matter. Like, like we've seen over the last few games and, and coach Brown has been really clear. Like this backup center thing is, is a problem right now like there's yeah nobody that is filling that and i think that if you did have those i i know we're only talking about like a dozen minutes here but i I think that can change the tide of a game like you talked about having to double team marvin bagley in detroit or in the uh toronto game i thought the backup center position made that for a really tough night but they were still able to pull it out we saw this same issue in charlotte and like I, i think that while it doesn't catapult you into the next tier or anything I, I still think it does make a decent difference on nights can i yeah. can i say this too can yeah. i say that it's the the thing that scares me uh it, it both it goes hand in hand but i don't want people so much focusing on oh man they don't really have a backup center that can do that blah 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 
the the worst part is no, you can't have Demonis Sabonis playing forty plus minutes a game. That to me is more problematic than anything. So even if it's hey, we don't really have a solution as a backup center, well then, you know, in the meantime, playing him upwards of forty minutes and more a game, we're going to run that guy into the ground. I mean, you're relying on him for so much. Uh, I I would almost challenge Mike Brown as like hey you know there may not be any anyone walking through that door to to save you how do you how, what do you do in the meantime and it may be you have to completely uh shift your system uh as a basketball unit when he's off the floor which they've they've done at times and I think it is a, a trial by fire and try to see what's out there try to see what they can accomplish and it can look clunky and I think they've went with you know they rode the hot hand and you see Kata out there uh, I don't know that that's an answer at all, um, but the the more worrisome, and again, they go hand in hand. Is just can't use the so you can't you run Sabonis like that, man. It's just gonna it's not gonna work. Yeah, well, and I think we're we're watching it play out right now. I mean, Sabonis, as we're doing this podcast, he's likely going to play against the yeah. Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I was at shoot around this morning. He was at shoot around. Harrison Barnes was at shoot around. They were. Uh, joking around, they were shooting, they were on the court. Uh, that's a good sign that both of them are going to suit up tonight against the Lakers. Uh, but the fact is, it, it kind of gives you a glimmer into the window. The last, like, maybe five games, we've seen Mike Brown searching for that reserve. But we're talking about who's going to play 13 minutes a night. We're not talking about who's going to play 36 if Demonis Sabonis goes down for two weeks or a month. Like, so there's that uh, inevitability that, you know, players get hurt and you're hoping that somehow he plays 82 games, but it's so much weight to put on one guy's shoulders to make sure that he's out there playing 82 games. And, you know, De'Aaron Fox has missed, what, three games already this season. You've got three guys that can play backup center, uh, backup point guard. Uh, But the fact that they haven't been able to really not only connect a player that can fill in like the 13 or 14 minutes behind Sabonis, but they don't have a game plan if he is out. And, you know, I I said this to you guys, uh, I think it was during the summer, um, and I've said it a couple of times, and and I think people think I'm absolutely crazy when I say this, but the player who's the most similar in style of play is clearly Kakeda. Like he steps on the court, and all of a sudden he's setting the same mean screens the problem is he's so raw, and you don't know really what you have, and you don't know if he can stay on the court. And I know, Sean, we talked about this the other day. You wanted someone to go kick him in the shin and fire him up. But I would point out that when he came in against Joel Embiid, he was fired up and got 3,000 like 45 seconds. <laughs> and so you, you're tightrope walking. How do you develop a player? How do you get him on the court when he probably is the better fit out of everybody? But at the same time, he's so green and you're worried about all these avenues. But then when he got comfortable, he was rebounding. He was flying all over the court trying to block shots. Was he out of position? Sure. Yeah. But but at the same time, the Kings <laughs> haven't had a shot blocker on the court all season long. And it was like, oh, that the block he, the one block he did have was spectacular. But the other five that he went high, he redirected traffic around the rim no one wants to go in he's a huge man no one wants to go in there amongst the trees with him it's it's what Whiteside did I mean Whiteside got you know poked fun at a lot here but um when he was on the court he he mattered he made a difference he had a better feel for the game which is just incredible to say <laughs> but but like even Kata you can see Kata doesn't have that feel for the game yet he 
Um, he knows he's the biggest guy on the floor. He knows he can he can have that type of impact. But there's a go get it, and he he lets it come to him. It doesn't have that feel yet. And yeah, I want to see that guy mad. I want to see that guy have a tenacity to him because everything is so nice. He's so nice. <laughs> and 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 I want to see him get mean. And I've seen it a couple times in the G League. I mean, I've seen it, you know, when when he, you know, hey, that's James Wiseman over there and he just punked me a couple times and then he goes and gets it. So um yeah, maybe sometimes that's like if it if that's what it takes, right from the get-go, hey, uh, have your guard go up there and just kick him really hard in the ankle. Well, I don't care what it is. And if that's what it takes to get him going, do it. Maybe he's a Giants fan and he'll be mad today. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Maybe uh, <laughs> Portugal loves him some Giants fans. So Giants, so come on. <laughs> yeah, never know. I, I think that the opportunity is good for him uh, when it comes to just being a learning process, getting to go back and watch the film. Um, but it's not great for the Kings in the meantime. Um, he hasn't been great in his minutes. He's had the flashes, which I, I think are nice, like that block that James mentioned um, was on LaMelo, and then the next possession, he had a really tough finish through contact. Um, but outside of that stretch, the rest was was pretty tough. Um, Holmes is the weird one to me and will continue to be the weird one. Like, we know out of all these guys, Metu, Holmes, Len, Kata, like, I, I guess we don't know, but most recently, Holmes was a starting NBA center. And now he can't fit his backup. We've talked about the handful of reasons that – that we think that it's not working. Um, that's the one to me that I'm circling and hoping it can. Um, and, and I would try Len. I, I would assume they didn't try Len last game because he just got back from his non-COVID related illness um, and was really sick throughout the course of that, uh, apparently. But if you're going to try everything, try everything. Like, you have Alex Len sitting there too. Try it. Yeah. I, okay. So I talked to Alex. Uh, I've talked to him a couple of times over the last like two weeks. Well, they're gone for the trip. So right before they went on the trip, like, first of all, the stuff that guy's dealing with off the court is nuts. Like, like he has like very close family members that he hasn't heard from in four or five months in, in the Ukraine that he does, has no idea if like where they're at, if they're alive, what's happened to them. So I, I think the human element with Alex Lynn is one thing. The other thing is, uh, he's always a player historically that takes a long time to get back from injury or illness. Um, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to put it into it. Just everyone's body's different. And that dude is like a legitimate seven foot tall, maybe seven foot one. I, I do know that he lost 10 pounds with the illness. Um, and the Kings actually left him in New York city at, at one point because he was so sick and they couldn't get the fever to break. Um, and so they left him in his hotel room, clearly with people overseeing him and making sure he was healthy. Um, but, you know, they had to they had to go on with the trip. And then he met them in Detroit at some point. Uh, but like, look, that's that's going to be one of the options going forward. Like, can you get Alex Lynn back in the mix? He is a shot blocker. He is a guy who at one point shot 37 percent from three. Uh, he does understand how to go out and set high screens, which is something that some of these guys have shown that they don't understand. But it really is becoming more of an issue that you got like four centers outside of, or three or four at this point. I don't know how many they have. They have they've got four centers behind Demonis Sabonis, and I don't think anyone's comfortable if if any of them are the starting center if Demonis Sabonis goes down for any length of time, let alone 
if they can play 13 or 14 minutes a night to take some of the stress off of him. And so it's something that like has to be reevaluated, but I think very quickly as opposed to more of a long-term stance while, while Mike Brown tinkers with the, the rotation from one, one night to the next. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's the Rashawn Holmes thing to me is a little, is quite puzzling. And, uh, I, I, I feel like in this system, uh, with Mike Brown, um, he hasn't really had the opportunity. I, I think Mike would probably push back on that, but I don't think he's had enough of the opportunity. Um, I, I kind of like to see what that looks like for about five to six games. And, uh, I think you've built up enough equity in the in the schedule to be able to do so. Uh, I, and again, I think Shemezi Metu, for the most part, has played pretty well. Uh, I know he's had some stumbles of late and kind of earned himself out of the rotation a little bit. But uh, I, I think it's you look at the the games coming up, and you know the Lakers are obviously tonight as we record this, and you know they you have no Anthony Davis isn't going to play, but you do have someone like Damon Jones who's enormous. So. In a game like that, Nimi has a little bit of experience against Damon Jones, so go ahead and go ahead and play him against him. Um, but there are teams that tend to go smaller, and if you go smaller, well, maybe that's a Chemezi Metu type game to where uh, they might run a little more. It may fit his style of play a little bit more. Alex Len to me is a break glass in case of emergency uh, type center because I just don't think he can. You can rely on him for if you're relying on Alex Len. Uh, for your team at this stage in his career, you're in trouble. So uh, to me, the only answers really are see what you have in Nimi, and then you try to figure out Rashawn and, and Mezzi in the meantime. Uh, but hopefully it could be a platooning among those three and until you either find an answer, a solution. Uh, you know, I know DeMarcus Cousins' names keep coming up a lot. I don't think that's happening at all. Uh, but it is fun because if you want someone who can play – like Sabonis in a lot of ways. I mean, that's a guy who can really pass the ball. So um, it, it, you, you can see why that name gets floated out there a lot. I mean, you really could because um, – the, but that he's not DeMarcus Cousins of old anymore. He's not the, what, what you remember uh, from years and years and years ago. But there's a lot that comes with DeMarcus. Yeah, and I want to point out too for people in Portugal who watch this, um, it's something that the Kings have talked about when it comes to Keegan Murray. That, you know, if you look at uh, a team like the Detroit Pistons or the Orlando Magic and you just circle like Jaden Ivey and you circle Paolo Bancaro, those guys are allowed to go out on the court and make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake because it doesn't matter if their team wins or loses. It actually is better if they make more mistakes and their team loses. And so they're allowed to learn. It's just two different types of like what's happening, like they're two different types of franchises. So they're able to play through their mistakes and learn through mistakes. And for young players, that can be a really good thing. But there's also like what Keegan Murray is going through where you're not allowed to play through mistakes because wins do matter in Sacramento and you're trying to win, you're trying to make the playoffs. And whether that's right or wrong, it's the reality of the situation that they're in. And Nemias comes into play in this because like the Kings don't have 20 minutes a night for him to try to figure it out. They just don't. That's not the way it's going to go because if he can't figure it out in five games and all of a sudden they're not a playoff team anymore and if if he's cost them games. And so there isn't this moment where you're allowing a player to play through all of these mistakes and get better. He's got to go out there and fill a role, play really hard. Mike 
uh, Mike Brown was very specific. He's like, I need a guy who's going to go out there, who's going to rebound, who's going to understand the defense, who's going to set screens, and who's not going to go out and pick up three fouls in three minutes. Like, I, I can't have a guy go out at the end of the first quarter, play three minutes, and give up a bunch of free throws uh, because we're already in the penalty because of him. Or we open the second quarter, and he picks up two quick fouls, and next thing you know, we're almost in the bonus again. And the other team shooting free throws the whole second quarter. He's like, so I need someone who's going to be able to stay on the court and, and help us in these moments. And, and again, this is without even talking about whether or not Sabonis is going to play or not. We're, we're just talking about that guy who's going to play 12 to 14 minutes a night and help out. And so I, I think that's some, something that, like, again, if you're new to basketball and you're, you're new to the NBA, this is typical. Like, what's happening with Mimi Keita is very typical for young players, especially young bigs. Young bigs always take longer to develop than, than, more, uh, than guards and forwards. And so he's going to have a very short leash. And it's really because he's playing for a team that has different aspirations than a team that's just playing to, to try to get a really good draft pick and add another really good player next season. They need him to be perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah, he needs to go when, out when there. he's out there, I mean, he has to be perfect. Which is an unrealistic and he has to bring energy. Right. Yes. Yeah. And he has to bring energy and everything else, right? He has to come out there and be ready from the opening time the, the opening moment he steps on the court, he's got to come out, grab a couple of rebounds, be a defensive player, and then if he gets a shot, he gets a shot. It's not even about what he's gonna score. It's very much about energy and effort and and not fouling and just doing the basics like rebounding. Do you guys think there's any downside to him not continuing to, and I'm sure he will later in this year, but like get reps in Stockton throughout this? Obviously, the competition level is night and day, but that's a place where he can go and play through mistakes, right? I personally think there's a lot of downside. I want him to be in Stockton as much as possible because he didn't get that opportunity last year. And he's not, look, him coming in and and spelling uh, a moment here or there, I don't think is going to be in his best interest. And I think they're just hoping for lightning in a bottle at that point uh, and, to, and to really hope that he's made a lot of strides, which I think he has. And I think it is true that the game has slowed down for him a lot. And that's why I wanted to talk to him last uh, this past practice after he appeared in that Hornets game, because uh, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I feel like they're putting him in an impossible position to have to be perfect every single time he's on the floor. And as James mentioned, like he acclimated to the game after about four minutes of action. But it's too late at that point. So yeah, you don't um, have that much time. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, it's kind of it goes back to like Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis comes out, he misses three shots. He may not get another look because you know he's either hot or cold, and this team just isn't going to wait around and hope that somebody figures it out and and, and moves through. I mean, you gotta like it's it's very specific to this team. Um, Harrison Barnes is questionable. Uh, again, I think Harrison Barnes is gonna play. But to a lesser degree, I mean, the Kings kind of had the same situation there. Um, if you're coming into tonight's game against the Los Angeles Lakers with, uh, with the idea that, that LeBron James is going to be defended for a large stretch by Harrison Barnes, what do you do if you're the Kings? I mean, Casey Akpala has shown at least he can do some things, but we're talking about a guy who's going to outweigh him by at least 50 or 60 pounds um, at the same position and who is – 
like not just a first ballot Hall of Famer, but like on Mount Rushmore of NBA players in general, uh, even if he is, what, 38 years old, 37 years old, uh, it doesn't matter. LeBron is still partially LeBron. Like, what do you do if you're Mike Brown in this situation? I don't know that there's a good answer. Um, Can I give you one? Yeah. Okay. You don't worry about it. It's LeBron James. The Lakers are absolute trash. You have no you have no Anthony Davis. You probably don't have Russell Westbrook. You can't worry about that team. You just got embarrassed by a team that lost eight straight because either you were overconfident, you thought you could just kind of you know trick it off. Yeah, yeah I was kind of thinking, trying to find a different. Thank you thank for finding you, the radio Bill. friendly version. Yeah, oh, and Demarcus too. Um, yeah, so. And, and it's funny because I didn't really get to ask Mike this directly. Um, I asked players how they interpreted the his comment saying that that loss to the Hornets was a reality check. And I was curious what he meant. Did he mean that, hey, it's a reality check is we ain't as good as you think you are? Or the reality check is you can't trick off a game like that thinking that you've already won before you take in the floor, meaning you're taking your opposition for granted or uh, – or playing to the level of op- to your opposition, which is, oh, that's not a good team coming in here. We'll win. We don't need to play hard. Or, you know, do you think it's just a one-off? And I personally think it's more of a one-off, meaning that, you know, you're coming. Like, there's an old adage, and there's a lot of them in the NBA, but, like, the first game back, first game home from a long road trip is almost like a road game because you're not acclimated to home again and and you have you're like just getting settled and you're coming off of time zones so to me it looked like a team that didn't respond well to some physicality looked very groggy and uh you know was just kind of going through some of the motions and they went into a team that was just licking their chops at the kings coming home the long way of that what i'm saying is the trickle over effect is how how do they defend lebron james without harrison barnes they don't like you're not going to. You're gonna have you're gonna try to throw anything you can at him. But if that's the only guy that goes off in that game, so be it. Every other you need to you need to pummel the Lakers tonight. The the Lakers should not have any signs of life if they don't have Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook probably won't play. He was he was at shoot around just sitting off to the side today. Um but if LeBron James is all they have, guess what? You need to stomp this team. Even if their team was together. When this team, when that Lakers team has been healthy, they've still shown they're not that damn good. You need to come out and you need to stop this team. Yeah, Brendan, I was going to ask you, like, Mike Brown was cryptic about the Charlotte loss. Uh, for me, like, realistically, I, Charlotte's a much better team. When they stepped on the court and their starting five is out there, you're like, okay, this isn't a starting five that should be, like, 7-23 and 23 or whatever they were and, and lost eight straight. And you're getting them on the second night of a back-to-back. I, I don't care. That right. that team is talented, but but then when we got to post game and then when we got to practice yesterday, Brennan, I think you picked up on it too. Mike was being cryptic that it was almost like he wanted to call out a couple of his players for being soft under the basket and not taking charges and not taking, you know, not doing what they were supposed to do, like backing away from like crucial moments. Yeah, to me the reality check primarily comes on defense. Like I, I think they'd been a lot better there, but it, it takes like constant engagement and just willingness there. Like there's a lot of times where 
the guards are going to be asked to put their body on the line and, and take a charge or try to go up vertical. And there was a lot of times in that Charlotte game, we just saw them kind of flying by, you know, or, or maybe just being a step late to that. Um, so I, I think that that's where they need to make sure that they stay locked in. You know, I, I think that they've improved defensively. They're up to 19th in defensive rating. And I think if you take out those first four games, that number looks even better, but to your point, the, starting lineup of Charlotte is fine. Their bench is horrible. Um, and you weren't able to take advantage of that <laughs> at all. Um, so I, I think uh, that they're Nick Richards killed the Kings. <laughs> Nick Richards them, went crazy. Yeah. And that's offensive I mean, rebounds, also... which is another effort thing. Yeah. But let's be honest too. He also had, uh, he gave up at least six points if I'm not mistaken on goaltends. Like first, he, I think he had 13 points, but he also gave up like a whole bunch of points on, on goaltends. I was shocked. I've never seen a player get called for so many goaltends in a game. Um, and they were but yeah, in quick like, succession, too. Yeah, you're like, oh, look at that. The score, the, the Kings are scoring strictly on mistakes by a big man who just keeps, like, slapping the ball after it hits the glass. Uh, well, and, I, and so many of the Hornets, so many of the Hornets' points were dunks. And, I, and hey, Mike Brown, you know, oh, yeah. when he keeps it a buck a buck, he... he he said it at practice. I mean, he called out Sabonis for a guy who put up some monster numbers in that game. He called out Sabonis says he wasn't good. <laughs> he was not good for us on the other end of the floor. And uh, he was right, especially with all the backdoor stuff that was happening. And that's why I was asking um, Malik Monk and, and, and I forget who and we talked to, but, oh, and even Mike Kevin Brown, Hurt. like, was, was that, were those, um, characteristics of just that game or had that been kind of stuff you had started to see more and more from the road trip that were just maybe coming to a a head here at the against the hornets and i mean the hornets look he he credited steve clifford he credited that team for being whole again as close to whole as they can be without you know miles bridges uh but you know gordon hayward's healthy again you've got Lamelo ball who i don't know if he was on a minutes restriction or just in foul trouble but what a show he put on in the fourth quarter um, so anyway, you can't be jumped by a team like that. And they were, and the Lakers can't be, uh, you can't be jumped like that by the Lakers in second night of your six game homestand, uh, especially with so many home games coming up. And this is some of the concerns that you have over the team playing around the holidays, especially when you come off a long trip, uh, you got to come out and you got to make a statement. Yeah. And the questions any- about the rotation go beyond just the backup center, you know, like Mike was mentioning it, like, yeah. Tarrant or um, Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk are going to come off the bench. And then after that, like he doesn't know there's nights where some guys have looked good. Like Terrence Davis has got an opportunity and looked all right. Sometimes other times, not so much Trey Lyles. You could say the same Casey Paula, and then whatever's going on with the backup center. Like I, I think that obviously the backup center is a glaring hole, but you do also need another one of those guys to, to have a good night. I feel like. Yeah, I thought uh, Kelly Oubre, like, stole Terrence Davis's lunch money. Like, and not only that, but he told him about it. Like, he had, like, his $3 and was waving it in his face and slapping him. Oh, he was letting him know. Again. Oh, yeah. He was chirping I mean, he at him the entire up, night. He got picked up on the the hoop mic, the, the, the mic that's, like, next to the basket where you hear the ball swish through. He got picked up like three or four times where he's yelling in the entire building is hearing it. And you're like, oh, that's not good. Uh, yeah, he, he was talking trash nonstop. So, um, 
Okay, so uh, where do the Kings go from here? Because like we're we are getting into the holidays, and Sean, you keep bringing it up that this is a tough time of the year to play because you do have other commitments and uh, you got family, you're distracted. Um, but the Kings don't have time for that. You know, at 16 and 13, you know they were 16 and 12. They had an opportunity to go over 500 for the uh, five games over 500 for the first time since 2006. You hope that somehow this team can be attempting to do that same exact thing on Friday when they face the Washington Wizards. But if you don't get some of these games real quick, then all of a sudden you're looking at the back-to-back against Denver, uh, and this six-game homestand can turn ugly, like, really quickly. Yeah, we've we've seen it in previous seasons. You know, a lot less yeah. talented teams than the one than one we're dealing with this year. So, yeah, you're you, – you you almost cringe as you go into it because you know what that looks like and uh it can be a holiday massacre if you will you don't want to you don't want it to be a holiday massacre you want it to be uh full of joy and and be festive so um i don't know i, I think tonight's going to be a a, a a completely different result i'm not expecting what happened against the hornets uh, i would be quite i'd be really quite shocked if they if they came out and did uh, had a, a game similar to that where they're just giving away so many points and are really letting the opposition set the tone as opposed for them coming out and kind of setting the tone for the game. Uh, I, I was re- that would really surprise me tonight. I think the yeah, same. Brian, I, I, I think that yeah, the same. I, I think that it should be a, a good night for them. It's also the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that players get up to play the Lakers a little bit more. I know you were talking to Davion at shoot around today. Um, saw your, your clips of, kind of the energy in the stadium with that fans being split. And I think he compared it to his uh, to kind of high school, big high school rivalry games and things like that. So I think there's extra incentives on this game, not only just from bouncing back from the loss, but it being the Lakers, it being LeBron um, and, and everything that comes with just Kings Lakers in my mind. So I think they should absolutely be locked in. And a lot of it was just the defense in that Charlotte game. Sean mentioned it. There were so many dunks and layups. Like it wasn't Charlotte hitting tough shots. They were just getting whatever they wanted um, at the rim. And I, I would hope that we get a lot better performance tonight. And I'm, and I'm expecting it, like Sean said. Yeah, I, I'm expecting them to come out and play hard too. And again, like the spirit of this team is really, it, it's fun to watch. I mean, like each and every day, like we very seldom see them like down. Um, no. And I was also, we were in the locker room the other day, and strangely enough, like six players were in the locker room at one time, and that's the first time I've seen that this year, uh, where it's just kind of weird that, you know, it's not like it used to be where there's always like five, six, seven players in the locker room in pregame. I think part of it has to do with the fact that they have uh, they have chapel at 6 o'clock, so a lot of guys go to chapel, and, and so they're not in the locker room. Uh, but still, uh, it's an interesting vibe that this team has, and I expect them to bounce back. I expect them to play well in the on the home stand, and, and uh, hopefully, we see that play out. Um, like, look, I, we're gonna. I think this will be probably the only pod we have this week um, because of the holiday season, and it's not just holiday season. I make it like an explanation thing here for for uh, folks. We would love to do like a Tuesday and Thursday show this week, but. Uh, when we have practice on Tuesday and Thursday, and then we're, we have travel times and all that stuff, it makes it really, really difficult to squeeze these in, uh, especially with Sean having his birthday on, on Tuesday. 
Um, oh, don't so, you go blaming me. <laughs> no, no. I like no, it I'm was kidding. just we we were at practice and then again I didn't get home until four o'clock in the afternoon. And by that point, Sean is back at work, uh, you know, doing his stuff and, and Brennan has his stuff to do. So um, once we get through the holidays, we'll go back to our standard, you know, two pods a week. Um, but just keep that in mind that we're not trying to like shortchange you here. We're we're just trying to survive like everyone else is during the holidays and make sure that we get everything, all the Christmas presents under the tree. Um, all right. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Are we going to get the rare under our Kings beat podcast? Oh no, because it, I, Sean never makes his final <laughs> thoughts short. He still has a diatribe about the San Francisco giants in him. What are you right. talking about? I got, the, I feel, I, I must say I do feel better about getting that off my chest. So that was a, that was good. But uh, yeah, and I, and I think we tied it back to to the Kings in a in a real way. Like yeah, I, like this is it's not easy, and I would love it. Like we, the three of us, uh, were in the media area waiting. Well, after practice, and Monty McNair came by yesterday, and like stopped and talked to us. I guess we we could mention that for a sec. But uh, first of all, his full beard is is like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, but uh, <laughs> like even he has this like bouncing his step and like a positivity about him he's not at the showcase the g league showcase in in las vegas um i I don't know who is but uh, i'm guessing uh they've got a fleet of people down there but like everything like the vibe is still good even if you do have a bad loss and that's what's kind of different about this year it doesn't feel like uh like chicken little and the sky is falling yeah i mean he he needs to feel uh, all the feels right now and he's probably gonna you know he'll be getting rewarded for it i'm certain very very soon and um we keep hearing this <laughs> i mean look it it, it it's a weird there's not really it? it's not really i mean it's it's um like i don't i i rewind to the days of jeff petrie and wonder gosh did we ever wonder if he was going to get his option picked up or get renewed or get an extension and all the, it's like well, they just kind of took care of themselves. Like no one really, no one really gave a shit. Like it wasn't, it, you know, it was like, like J- Jeff, if you put together a successful product and the guy wants to be here and he doesn't have an opportunity, you know, you know, you're not, you're not, um, you know, it's like baseball in, in Moneyball. You, you, the A's aren't trying to keep Billy Bean from going to the the Red Sox, right? Um, uh, you know, I think. He, I think there's two sides and they both have to tango and one side might really want the other and the other one might go, okay, well, let's just see what, you know, what the price is six months from now, three months from now, a week from now. Um, you know, yeah. Cause you, he's not uh, getting picked up for the same dollar he's making right now. He's just not. That's oh God. Not no. But who, but, but also who would like, if you're, uh, if you're in any, if you're running any business and James, I know you've done a lot of contracting. So let's just say you're, you're building a house for somebody. Um, you might cut the deal. Uh, you might cut deals here and there or whatever, but if you're hiring somebody and you've got a crew, uh, you're, you're renewing them for different contracts and you're going to reward them for the work that they've done. So, uh, or, or at least for some of the work you think they still have in them, you know? So it's, uh, you're probably better than the with the analogies than I am, but anyone gets rewarded if they're gonna get a raise of any sort, if they're getting any kind of new, new responsibility or new contract. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So, um, yeah, he should he I'll should say, feel 
he should feel vindicated. I mean, he should feel very, very good about the work he's done. He should feel very good about the situation he's in. And, you know, not to say he's leaving Sacramento, but whether it's here, in Sa- if it's here in Sacramento, great. And if it's not, uh, I'm sure he's got plenty of people who might be in his ear from different organizations at this point. So, Yeah, I would say this too. Like there, there has been a rumor around Sacramento for like the last, I don't know, two weeks that that a deal with McNair might be done and that, that an announcement might be coming after the holidays, um, like it, after the new year. I, I don't know if it's true or not because I, I've checked in on it multiple times and, and been told categorically it's incorrect. Uh, but it's something that like we have been chasing. And so I, I would not be surprised if Monty McNair is under contract. Uh, it, it gets a contract extension in, in, the, in the upcoming future. Um, it's just right now, like they're focused on other things. They're focused on the holidays. They're focused on the G League showcase, which is actually a big deal. It is where a lot of these deals start to take form that you see uh, in February. This is sort of like baseball winter meetings toned down a little bit, but it's one of the true like gems of uh, of the NBA world that people don't know about. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that. Uh, there's a possibility that we'll see something with Monty sooner rather than later. Brandon, you got any thoughts on Monty? He deserves it. Like it's worked. Um, his some of the moves he made are were very ballsy and and risky, and they have paid off. You know, and I guess you can't fully say that until they are locked into the postseason come the end of the year, and it's still. TBD, like, of course, the Tyrese deal being the big headline, like, there's still a chance that ends up looking horrible on the Kings in the future. But as of right now, I, I think that the goal was to get back to the playoffs as soon as possible, and they seem well on their way to do that. So I, I think he's deserving, and I would love for that to happen so we don't have to keep talking about it. Speaking yeah. of Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, did uh, yeah, any of you have Wally any Zerbiak. thoughts of what Wally World had to say? Wally Zerbiak? I... I... Like he was just what riding the hell was high that? On, I don't I don't know. Did Tyrese Halliburton steal his girl? Like what the hell? <laughs> what was that all about? Tyrese just I just saw something <laughs> today of Tyrese responding and Tyrese was like, I know oh? the name Wally, but I couldn't tell you a single team he played for. Oh, that's and cap. It was <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah. pretty funny. Uh Wally Zerbiak, is... uh, you know, he is a one time all star, so clearly he's got yeah. uh, something to, to talk about. Um yeah, I, don't I, I also I thought it was don't. Weird. Yeah, I just thought it was weird. Why are you going at him in that way? I, it didn't make a lot of sense, and like, it, it's strange. Like, is uh, like I think Tyrese will probably make an All Star team this year, but I also could see where he doesn't make the All Star team this year, and he's got to prove that he can do it on more than one year, and and that he can do it for a team that's actually winning and and all that stuff. Um, but I just thought it was a really odd situation. I mean, James, he called him a supposed wannabe fake all-star. Like, doing a Knicks halftime or post-game show on MSG, I mean, in all the quirky things I didn't think we'd be talking about as we close out the year, I didn't think Wally Zerbiak coming at the head of Tyrese Halliburton would be one of them. It was random. It was very <laughs> random. But I you could agree. It was like, 
there there was a lot of ways that you could have just talked good about the Knicks too. They had three guys over twenty points in that game. Randall's been killing it. I think that's their eighth win in a row. I, I just don't. I don't know. Of all things to decide to highlight and talk about, like Sean said, like did Ty steal like, his girl? What is? It's so targeted for no reason. Yeah, and the Knicks. It's not like the Knicks and the Pacers. I mean, I guess if you want to go back to Reggie Miller days, like be sure Spike Lee and Reggie Miller might have a little bit of a rivalry there. Is the Knicks and Pacers still like a thing? Like it's not right. And Zerbiak wasn't a part of it. Like I remember him as a Timberwolf no. most of his career. So like he played for the like, Knicks. What are we doing? No, I know, but like, what a, are we doing? Yeah. He was a Timberwolf. He wasn't a part of any of those. He wasn't a part no, of any of those no. like big games of the Knicks and Pacers. Like I didn't so I was like, it couldn't be a rivalry thing. It's just what did Tyrese do to the Knicks? Like what did he do to Wally Zerbiak? That's crazy to me. Yeah, I I, I think he did talk some trash on the Knicks throughout the after the draft process and everything, but like I don't know. Still out of nowhere. Weird. Weird. All right, let's finish with final thoughts. Uh Brennan, what do you got for us? Um, I don't have any final thoughts. I'm excited to see LeBron today. That should be cool. I don't know if I've seen LeBron in, uh, maybe I have, but. So I'm in preseason, bro. Did we? When Chima, when Chima Moneki put the clamps on him. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The Chima dog um, put the chi- clamps on him. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And Chima's uh, playing well. He's one of the best yeah, rebounders in the G League. I think he had like a 23-18 and 18 game yesterday, something along those lines. I could be off by a number or two there, but he's been playing well. Um, the showcase is interesting. I wish Nimi was a part of it, but... Um, do you? Yeah, I do. Like, I, I just wish that... I, I enjoy... I'm primarily watching G League games for those couple guys, you know? Like, yeah. Chance Comanche doesn't do it for me the same way that Nimi does. No, well, and you know what? I got to be honest. Trey Burke is still, he catches my eye every time I watch, but um, uh, especially the way he shoots, still can shoot the ball. Um, no, like for me, the showcase is uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll tune into some of these G League games. You're right to see Nimi, and I do want to see him there uh, in with Stockton playing G League games. There's something about the showcase that seems circusy to me that I don't think Nimi needs to necessarily be a part of, if that makes sense. Like, Yes, there's those G League games, but because it becomes like the whole NBA world descends upon Vegas to do all their, you know, meetings and all these things, and the G League is just kind of the setting for it all, I'd rather him be here in Sacramento right now. But then when the showcase is over and they go back to just season resumes and everything, then put him right back there and and let him continue, if that makes any sense. Probably doesn't, but that's... I think I would like to see him play a couple of times and and see if he can find his niche because I do think that, again, at some point you're going to need him. At some point, if if you lose Sabonis for any length of time, you're going to need him to uh, be part of what's happening just because of the style of play and what he can do on a court. Uh, He's up to three assists a game at the G League level, and he sets the biggest screens I've ever seen outside of Sabonis. Well, Sabonis thumps people. Nimi, you just can't get around him. Like I see guards are and they like turn. They're like, like I. Where did the other guy go? Like, that's a big man. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of torn whether I'd like to see him down there or not. Um, okay, so final thoughts. Um, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, like whether whatever you celebrate, happy holidays. Uh, that's the biggest one. Um, like have. What's a good your favorite Christmas drink? Weekend. 
Do you do like spiked eggnog or something, or what do you do? Favorite Christmas drink? No, I'll probably just drink a lot of whiskey. I, I might have, uh, I might make Cosmos <laughs> Jesus. On, for the the wife and people on on uh, Christmas Eve, and then uh, I'll probably just have an old fashioned or two. Uh, my brother will be over, so we'll probably have old fashions once or twice. Um, huh. And yeah, just I, I'm I'm a big holiday guy. I love the holidays. Uh, I I love like celebrating these things with the boys and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for, for this weekend and, and Christmas and Christmas Eve and all that stuff. Um, Hot toddy but, for uh, Brendan. What yeah. do you get? What do I drink? Yeah. If, 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 do you have like a holiday drink or no? No. Hot toddy's pretty pretty good, though. Not going to lie. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I couldn't but tell you what hot toddy is off the top of my head. To be honest, I'll send you the I'll send you the recipe. It's warm. It's, it's very got warm. a bunch of stuff in it. Yeah, it's got, and it usually has whiskey in it. See, I could do that. Um, <laughs> Sean, what do you drink for the holidays? Oh, I ste- I keep it Tito's soda, splash of crayon, pretty pretty good. Love that. Okay. Is that holiday related at all? I think we're just no, talking general like drinks, my, right? Like, that's my general drink. Okay. I don't know. I don't really have like I I, I I like to I I don't know the names of any of them. Sometimes they'll just put it in front of me and I'll try it, and I typically like it. A lot of them are very like cinnamony or brand like a lot of uh, brandy. Oh, brandy. Um, I've done yeah. the I've done like I have a love hate relationship with eggnog. Like I pretend I don't like it because it kind of repulses me, but then like I try it and I go, that's not that bad. So I. I'll, I'll do that. I know so there's the, <laughs> what's that Tom and Jerry thing? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, no. Somebody in the comments will probably uh, do. It's like a, it's like a mixer or something. Tom, Tom and Jerry. I don't know, but I guess it's like a holiday drink. I've tried it and it was, it was all right. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, well, talk, huh? I think that's going to do it for this edition <laughs> of uh, the King Speed podcast. Uh, what do you think of Die Hard, Brendan? See. We we got like, like ten minutes into that minutes. movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have, I think it I was no right opinions. about that time. I I spilt a a dirty martini on someone and like like wow. shifted gears. Yeah, Damn. it was. I missed it the, part. the I missed edge of the bar. You did miss yeah. quite a party. Yeah, yeah. Spilled the drink time. on my girlfriend. Well, really? What's her name? Yeah. Oh. Can you believe this guy? Ken's. You have a girlfriend. I do, Is as of late. As of late, yeah, I appreciate so, like, I appreciate James for not being the one to announce that, but yes, no, sure. I, that's it's up to you. Who announced to it? Announce something like that? Nothing. That's he, the first you time you just I said asked it. him, and he said yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. now. See, I was see, there. They went. Yeah, they exactly. went Kings Beat podcast official right there. It just happened. Oh. Is this the same one that gave you the oh. nickname at the Sharks game? No. And what a question, Sean. No. Yeah. Oh. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> 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 Whoops! Go I mean, it was my... so long ago. It was very long ago. Going full Mike Brown out here. It was a, it was such such a long time some such a Bull long time Mike ago. Brown. Yeah, that was like that was like two uh, years ago, wasn't it? Something like that. At least. Uh, yeah, yeah, had to have been. Yeah. I, I don't think you've dug huh. out of that hole right there. Um, okay, well that's gonna do it. Uh, if you guys are Let's still watching, uh, give us a thumbs up. <laughs> if you don't mind, subscribe. Uh, to the King's Beat uh, right here on on the YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you're listening somewhere else, please give us a rating and review. Those are always uh, they come in handy and they help the algorithm. Uh, lastly, join the King's Beat, uh, thekingsbeat.com. Uh, become a premium subscriber so you get invited to things like the Happy Hour, which we had last week, 
with Mark Jones, which I thought was spectacular. Mark was really cool and uh, gave some really, really interesting insight into his history, uh, into what it he goes through on a weekly basis when he's covering college football and NBA and flying all over the country. I, I forgot to ask him how many miles a year he puts on like in, in an airplane, but I'm sure it's uh, like astronomical, like the travel that that guy goes through. So that's really cool. But uh, in order to get invites to the happy hour, you got to be part of the King's Beat Premium. Um, so outside of that, uh, thank you everybody for being a, a, a like loyal listener here on the King's Beat. Um, we're growing, we're having a good time, and we'll keep the ball rolling. Uh, we'll see you next week, and we're going to take this next couple of days off and actually cover basketball and uh, and then celebrate the holidays with our families. So uh, for Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast and Sean Cunningham from Fox 40, I am James sure. Ham, <laughs> Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See you next week, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.